Warning, this podcast contains adult language and material that may not be suitable for younger or more sensitive listeners. You have been warned. Welcome back to the screaming halls of terror and madness that take over your home at night when you sleep. This spooky show. No, no. Don't worry how we got inside. It's fine. It's totally fine. Very fine. We are the floating specters in said halls, not to mention your new infernal decorators. (laughs) We're the ghoul babes. (laughs) And I'm flame retardant, Jade. And I'm the plague mask that wears you. I'm Vivian. (laughs) And this week, we are conducting our own investigation into a strange and unexplained phenomena that is all at once fascinating and terrifying in equal measure. No, 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 not the magic of children's laughter, but that can be terrifying. So terrifying. Especially at 3 a.m. in your dark house when you have no kids. Wait, you've heard it too? (laughs) They hear us. Lock the doors. This week, we are talking about the odd occurrence of spontaneous human combustion. Is it a real thing? No. Very BuzzFeed Unsolved moment. Are ghosts real? Shakes head soberly. (laughs) Because it's not a real thing. (laughs) It's not Maria. (laughs) We'll get into it later. But yes. Or is it simply an urban legend? I mean, yes, but also no. Wait. Mm, No. Continue. (laughs) We love a good mystery here at this spooky show, and we will present the cases and evidence that we have researched and let you decide, Spooky Nation. Is it true or false? Let's get into it. The doorknob on Mary Reeser's apartment was strangely warm to the touch. On the morning of July 2nd, 1951, Mrs. Reeser's landlady, Pansy Carpenter, dropped by to deliver a telegram to her tenant. Miss Carpenter found the metal knob, quote, uncomfortably warm to the touch, and being quite concerned, she called the police. Upon entry into the apartment, the officers and first responders would stumble upon an astonishing sight. Not much of the 67-year-old widow remained, aside from a pile of ashes, partial remains of a spine, and a single mysteriously unburned slippered foot. These were found amongst the remains of a chair that she had been sitting in. Also found amongst the scattered remains was Mary Reeser's skull, which had been oddly shrunken in the unexplained fire to, quote, the size of a teacup. This was remarked upon by the investigators, and the odd discrepancy in size from a normal human skull was not attributed to the skin or facial features being missing. The whole skull itself appeared to be shrunken, but intact. So like a little voodoo head? Like a shrunken head. Like, it was, like, her, the whole, like, skull just went, like, to, like, a little, like, apple head. And they don't know how that happened. Was it really her head? Like, they're certain it was her head. There, well, I mean, I, I don't think a 67-year-old widow would have, like, a baby in the apartment that could explain, or a child that would explain the tiny head. I mean, I was thinking, like, if she did have a shrunken head. Or maybe she just had... If she went to New Orleans. Or maybe she just had a very, a very, like, fleshy head, but just a very small skull. Yes. 
She had a very <laughs> fat head. She was a fat head. It just burned all away, and it was just this tiny little, tiny little skull inside. <laughs> Embarrassing. The apartment was quite warm when the police made initial entry, and other than the completely burned chair surrounded by Mrs. Reeser's remains, everything else seemed oddly untouched. Only the area where Mary had been sitting had been affected by any kind of flame or fire. Plastic objects that sat near the chair had been obviously affected by the heat, warped, and softened in shape. The rug had an obvious scorch mark on it, but an end table and a chair in the middle of the scorch mark were upright and oddly untouched by fire. Weird, Mm. right? Concerning. The circumstances of Mrs. Reeser's death and the fire had the authorities fascinated and completely baffled. Yeah, I'm pretty baffled. Yeah, there's like a lot that's like, it, it was just a very centralized fire, like literally like just in the chair she was sitting in. And... We're going to get into it in a second as to like, because people are like, well, what if she just fell asleep smoking a cigarette? Well, we're going to get into that. Okay. Typically, even in a crematorium, it takes three to four hours at temperatures of at least 3000 degrees to turn a human body completely into ashes. A fire of that magnitude would have easily destroyed not only the whole apartment, but likely would have destroyed the entire building as well. Boxes of evidence gathered from the scene were sent off to the FBI in order to conduct an in-depth investigation of the odd circumstances that surrounded Mary Reeser's death. Samples submitted for chemical analysis included a part of the rug, rubble from the walls, fragments of glass, six small objects thought to be human teeth, and remains from the chair that the victim had been sitting in at the time of her death, as well as the surviving shoe that had been on the unburnt foot. So weird. Like... It's very weird. Because... The fire would have to burn consistently for three to four hours at that temperature to turn an entire body into ashes. Like, crematory ovens run that hot. Like, there's no way that somebody falling asleep in a chair with a cigarette with no, like, unless the woman had, like, doused herself in gasoline or kerosene, there's no way it would have, the fire would have burned that hot. Like, she would have burned to death probably, like, but they would have found a body, like a badly burned body. Yeah, I've got my skeptic face on right now. She does have her skeptic face on. I can see it. It's very skeptical. Her brow is very furrowed. (laughs) The team of investigating detectives from the St. Petersburg Police Department released a statement saying that it was, quote, an accidental death of fire by unknown origin, unquote. It was the best they could do, and it didn't mean the case was closed. They simply released a statement so a burial for Mrs. Reeser could take place, or I guess what was left of her. Mm. Ultimately, the FBI would conclude that this wasn't a case of spontaneous human combustion, but perhaps an accidental death due to falling asleep with a cigarette. I don't think so. And that the victim's own fat fueled the flames. And while it is true that human fatty tissue is quite combustible, Mary Reeser was known to be a stout woman around 170 pounds before her death. Anthropologist William M. Krogman, who also investigated the scene and was consulted by the FBI, disagreed with the official determination of the investigation. It's been nearly 70 years since Mary Reeser's death, and the actual cause of her death remains a mystery. I mean, other than fire. Obviously, she burned to death. Like, yeah. obviously fire. But how did the fire happen? There was, like, nothing else nearby. Like, they knew she smoked, but they didn't find anything like, like you know, tinder or anything like that. Like, she didn't light herself on fire, so. Hmm. Well... Let's see if our next case gives us any more yes. case number two information in terms of whether spontaneous human combustion is actually a thing. Yes. Margaret Hogan lived alone, an 89-year-old widow who required a, quote, great deal of looking after, 
at least according to her neighbor, Kathleen Rigney, who visited the elderly pensioner often. On March 27, 1970, Miss Rigney came by and attended to some of Miss Hogan's needs, like washing her hair before leaving her in her usual health in an armchair by the fire around 4 p.m. At 9 o'clock a.m. the next day, Miss Hogan's remains were found in the same chair. Nothing but, quote, ashes and cinders, according to the authorities who discovered what remained of the body. Most of the fire damage was centrally located in the room, right where Margaret Hogan had been sitting in her chair. The walls were covered with black smears of soot, and a set of plastic flowers on the table in the center of the room had been melted to liquid. A television set with a melted screen sat 12 feet from the chair where what was left of Margaret Hogan was found. That has to be a pretty hot fire to also to melt glass. 100%, yeah. Like, to melt a television screen, glass, like, that that's some serious heat. And again, it's very centralized. It didn't burn anything else in the, uh, the rest of the apartment. Like, nothing else was burned other than the area she was sitting in. The only part of the body that remained, oddly untouched by the intense fire, had been both of Miss Hogan's legs, below the knee, all the way down to her two feet. A report from the Irish Times recalled that, quote, apart from the chair on which the dead woman had been sitting and a square yard of linoleum and some rug directly beneath the remains, there was no damage from the fire in the room, unquote. Weird. Very. The cause of death was undetermined due to the state of the remains, but the fire investigators did conclude that the fireplace near where Margaret Hogan had been sitting had no relation to the fire that perhaps caused the victim's death. And self-immolation was also ruled out as a cause. Several doctors concluded quite securely that they indeed suspected that there had been no other cause of death but the fire itself. Though the cause of all of it to this day remains very much unknown. Very weird. And it seems like in a lot of these cases, and you'll see like in a in the next few that we cover a very common theme is that it's an elderly person. They were sitting near a fireplace and all that's left of them is their legs. Like it burns the core of the body, like the core of the body, the torso and the head are just gone. They're just ashes, arms, ashes, but from the knees down, like the legs are not touched. And like the chair they're sitting in is burnt and it's just a weird, it's very weird. I still am skeptical. It's very weird. It's just, it's, it's one of those things like, I don't know if it's spontaneous human combustion. I don't know if it's just spontaneous. The old people just going woof and catching fire <laughs> where they sit. But like, damn, it's weird. Like me in the church. Same. <laughs> I mean, same. Me walking in to get holy water. Woof. Smells like barbecue in here. Are you guys having a barbecue? Can I get some of them ribs? Oh, that's me. Oh, no. <laughs> I need to leave, but can I get some ribs? Oh, wait, that's still me. God damn it. <laughs> you like leave before somebody starts sharpening yeah. their knife and fork. I'm delicious. No one should be this delicious. <laughs> so our next case, let's see if that can, uh, we're going to see some common themes on this one. Henry Thomas was an elderly man living in South Wales. He met a similar mysterious end in 1980 when he was discovered inside of his home entirely incinerated. All that remained of Mr. Thomas was his skull, though no mention of any shrinkage was made in this case, as well as his lower legs below the knee. So no weirdly small head, like the size of a fucking apple or poodle's head, or I don't know what the fuck the other one was. 
In fact, the legs that oddly did not burn to ashes like the rest of the body were again virtually untouched and inside intact remains of trouser legs and socks. Very weird. Half the armchair where Thomas's remains were discovered was also badly burned. Only half of it? Only half the chair was burned in this one. I was like, that's really weird. And the legs with the pants not being damaged. Like the pant legs from the knees down were intact and his socks were intact. Huh. And the flesh was intact underneath and wasn't burned. So it was like the fire just went whoosh, like through here, through the core of the body again, and then just like petered out at the knees. Which honestly is where I peter out these days because I'm old. Shut I get down, up. I get down on the floor and I can't get up. Oh, them bones. Them, them sad, sad bones. <laughs> There was a small fireplace in the room nearby and evidence that there had indeed been a fire in it, but no evidence spoke of it spreading out from the hearth and into the room. The fire seemed centrally located only on the chair where Thomas's remains sat. One theory posited by authorities was that perhaps Mr. Thomas had unwittingly caught a spark in his hair when he was stoking the fire in the fireplace and his hair continued to burn when he returned to his seat. Which is the most cartoonish bullshit I think I've ever heard in my life. Like, I think I saw Bugs Bunny do that once in a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon. Like, you're going to notice your hair's on fire. Burning hair really stinks. <laughs> and it hurts. Yeah, as someone who has burned their hair with a fucking flat iron. You know that smell. Yeah. You're like, what is that? Oh, that's hair. Blech. So that was their idea, was that he caught a spark in his hair. He sat down and it continued to burn when he sat down. It's hard to imagine how a small spark would, how long it would take to get to the, not only how long it would take to get to the scalp, the smell of burning hair. And then once it met skin and triggered pain, that he would continue to sit still in the chair and just burn to death. Right. I, I find it hard to believe. Yeah. Even if he had fallen asleep after he sat down and his hair was on fire, there would be no doubt that the pain from a burn would have woken him up. One would think. Or the only other thing I thought of was that maybe he got up. Take me out. I'm taking on a journey here. Okay. He got up. He stoked the fire. Caught a spark. Sat down. And died. <laughs> like immediately died. Interesting. Like just massive heart attack. Boom. Lights out. The end. And then just the fire kept going. And that would be the only reason I could I could even come up with that somebody would just sit while they burned. Yeah, I guess I could understand that. But even that, like, a spark like that isn't going to just, unless he, again, bathed in gasoline or kerosene, there's no way the fire is going to burn that hot. Even, especially just catching, like, a little cinder in your hair. Like, that's going to burn and burn the scalp. They probably would have found him dead in the chair, like, the next day, with severe scalp and facial burns, but that's where it would have stopped. Yeah. Like, it's not going to burn the whole body. So, again, very confusing. No cigarettes found. There was no clue from the hearth being, like, the fireplace didn't, there was no marks on the rug. Like, it didn't burn the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Very weird. Still very weird. The cause of death was determined to be death by burning. No shit. But there was no mention of spontaneous human combustion given in that case. Interesting that they did not go to spontaneous human They didn't combustion. even enter. Yeah, it doesn't even sound like they entertained the notion. They were just like, yep, he burned to death and we think he caught his hair on fire and case closed. Interesting, interesting. 
Well, more recently, on December 22nd, 2010. That is pretty recent. Yeah, only a decade ago. Yeah. 76-year-old Michael Faherty was found dead in his home in Galway, Ireland. He was badly burned. In the early hours of that December day, Mr. Faherty's neighbor was awoken by the sound of a smoke alarm. He went outside to see heavy smoke coming from the victim's residence. He attempted to get an answer from Mr. Faherty to see if he needed assistance, but getting no answer, he roused more neighbors and called the local fire brigade. Once entry was made into the home, authorities found the body of the victim lying on his back with his head closest to an open fireplace. Again, the fireplace seems to play a key role in the, when they find the, it's like, it's like three components, old person, fireplace, alone, by themselves. Weird. And that's when the aliens showed up. Good thing my fireplace doesn't work. Yeah, it's a good thing I don't have one, because I certainly would accidentally catch myself on fire, probably. (laughs) The room itself was virtually untouched by the fire, other than Faherty's remains, the ceiling directly above him, and the floor beneath him. Nothing else in the room or the home was disturbed, and no traces of accelerants were found near the body, nor were any discarded cigarettes or other possible sources of ignition. So not a smoker, just again, weirdly burned in front of a fireplace. The investigators also determined that there were no signs of foul play, and after a thorough investigation, fire officials were satisfied that, quote, the open fire was not the cause of the blaze which led to Faherty's death. But then if the fireplace played no part in the death, what had caused the fire that ended Mr. Faherty's life? For that, no one seemed to have a ready explanation. And in fact, had the fire been the cause of death at all? A post-mortem of the body showed that the victim had suffered from both type 2 diabetes and hypertension, but neither of these, nor heart failure, had been contributing factors to his death. Instead, it was the far more mysterious conclusion made by pathologist Grace Callagy, quote, The extensive nature of the burn sustained precludes determining the precise cause of death. So, again, he could have keeled over, died, mm-hmm. like kneeling in front of the fireplace, heart attack, boom, dead. But they would have seen that in the, they didn't see any evidence of like a heart attack or just, I don't know, just passed away from old age. I don't know. Like, but they didn't find any medical cause of death and the body was too burned. I mean, obviously in this case, there was enough of a body to do a postmortem. So that would mean that it wasn't as destroyed as the previous ones. Um, it wasn't just a pile of ashes and legs, mm-hmm. but they, it was still so burned that they couldn't say, like, well, did somebody hit him on the head? There was, was he strangled? Like, the tissues were just destroyed. So, weird. Again, weird. It's weird that, though, this time there were enough to autopsy. Right, the fact that they yeah. had enough of a body to do to, a post To do a postmortem on, yeah, because the other ones have just been like, well, here she is, and just, like, in a coffee can with ashes with legs sticking out. <laughs> there you go. Not much to dissect here. Unless you want to cut up some legs. (laughs) Then, in a stunning, nearly unprecedented turn of events, in September 2011, West Galway coroner Dr. Kieran McLaughlin informed an inquiry made into the death that he had searched medical literature to determine the cause of death. He then referred to Professor Bernard Knight's book on forensic pathology, which cites that a high number of alleged incidents of spontaneous human combustion took place near an open fireplace or chimney. Dr. McLaughlin then declared in a statement, quote, 
This fire was thoroughly investigated, and I'm left with the conclusion that this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion, for which there is no adequate explanation. So basically, a doctor came out and said it was spontaneous human combustion. That's the first time that's ever happened. Like, that is like the first incident of somebody going, yep, spontaneous human combustion, write that shit down. Case closed. Case closed. Stamp, send it off in the post. But the guy is like, yep, I researched everything. They looked at the fire. They can't figure out how the fire started. So this is all I got. Yeah. Which I I get wanting to have an answer. Yeah. Like, I strange. want to have It's an very answer. strange. Yeah, because it's like, it, as humans, that's part of what drives us is to understand the unknown. When we don't have an answer, we want to know the answer. Which is why Unsolved Mysteries is back on Netflix, y'all. And it's really good. Not sponsored, but go watch it. But go watch it. It's really good. Because that's, I mean, that's what drives, like, people want to know answers. When something is left with questions and left unsolved, it it drives us nuts. Like, we want to know. So I get it. But I don't know if that was the right conclusion. Or if it was just the, fuck it. I looked at everything else and I can't explain it. We're just going to give it an answer. Spontaneous human combustion. He blew up. Old man went in front of the fire like a piece of fucking popcorn. Old man went boom, boom. <laughs> he made a boom, boom. <laughs> I made heavy pants. <laughs> but is there an adequate explanation after all for the phenomenon of spontaneous human combustion? Well, scientists and skeptics alike have their own theories, which we will get into right after this commercial break. I'm the commercial break. Welcome to my commercial break. So, ah, you're so awesome. You're great. I know I am. Um, you know what else is great, though? Audible.com. You can go on there. You can get for $14.95 a month. Um, you get credits to check out books. You can check out any audio books you want. If you love reading but just don't have the time to read, it's great. Um, you sign up with us and our show's link and it's audible.com slash this spooky show and you get a free, what is it? They get a free book of their choosing. Yeah. They get a free, you guys get a free book of your choosing from audible's library. Um, and then after that, it's only 15 bucks a month, man, to check out, you know, tons of books, all kinds of books. And while we couldn't find any specifically that talked about spontaneous human combustion, we did find a whole bunch of books with the word fire in the title, <laughs> like Stephen King's Firestarter. Or Fireman by Joe Hill. Who was Stephen King's son. Yeah. Or Catching Fire, the second book in the Hunger Games saga by Suzanne Collins. Or everyone's favorite, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> by she who will not be named. Yeah. We don't stand her. No, we don't. Not on this show. But if you like the book... Still get it. It's free. It. He threw his name in the goblet of fire. He totally, totally did. did. A little, a little so-and-so. <laughs> also, Little Fires Everywhere by somebody I don't remember. <laughs> it's okay. No but it's a show on HBO, I think, too. And Hulu. I hear it's very good. Hulu. And it's very good, I hear. It is pretty good. Lots of fires everywhere. There's lots of fires. There's fires all over the place. There's just <laughs> countless fires. They're very little, though. They're little, so they're easy to put out, unlike the ones we are talking about, which consume human beings. (laughs) And on that note, back to our show. Okay, so is it too early to call BS? Is it? I don't know. I mean, fine, 
fine. I'll give it the chance that it, you know, deserves for this podcast, but I won't like it. I'll do it. I'll do it anyway. The things I do for this show. So, starting in the late 1800s, spontaneous human combustion appeared in a number of novels spanning across numerous authors, Charles Dickens, Mark Twain, Herman Melville, and Washington Irving. So, I guess you could say it was a hot topic. Uh, 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 I'm leaving. <laughs> it uh, spread like wildfire. Oh, God damn it. There's more. There's more, guys. There's more fire puns. Get out while you still can. Much like what people say when there's a fire. <sighs> Walked into that one. But um, That was the sound of a fire it. sizzling out. <laughs> Turn me over, I'm done on this side. <laughs> the grill marks are fresh. Anyway, in these stories, victims of spontaneous human combustion were either, quote, drunkards who saturated their cells with alcohol, or people who had incurred God's wrath. Now, I'm not saying that these theories are a load of hooey, but if the shoe fits the charcoal foot... Wait a minute, drunkards who saturated their cells with alcohol? Rude! I feel very attacked right now. <laughs> I have not caught fire once, thank you very much. And yeah. my cells have been soaked. Drenched, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, so much for that theory. <laughs> Herman, that is your real name. <laughs> Mr. Melville. And Moby, your descendant. I heard he was a real dick. Yeah. I was supposed to leave. I should have left. You should have. I should have. I saw my opportunity and I didn't take it. Now I'm paying for it. <laughs> so I know what you're thinking. Those theories sound ridiculous. Drinking doesn't cause you to burst into flames, it as Vivian pointed out. It sure doesn't. Otherwise, there would just be a pile of like sentient ashes sitting here talking. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure God has better things to do than light people on fire. Although, if I was God, Wait. that's what I would do all day fucking long. Yeah, okay, that one may hold water. Wait. But. <laughs> water, fire. <laughs> but what if there were a specific scientific explanation for spontaneous human combustion? Ooh, is there? There are actually a few theories that we're going to delve into. The first probably being the most popular and the one that makes the most sense. Okay. At least to me. What's that one called? The Wick Theory. Okay. I see where you're going. Candle, Wick. All right. Here we go. Let's get into it. So this theory equates the human body to a candle, obviously. The fat of the body serves as the wax of the candle and our clothes serve as the wick. So two fun facts. One, our body fat is liquid at 37 degrees Celsius. And two, it is the most flammable part of our body. That's true. Very flammable. I'm very flammable. Remember when I said I was flame retardant? I'm not. (laughs) I lied. That's a lie. (laughs) None of us are flame retardant. All of us walking around just balls of fucking kindling. Basically. Just waiting for the right flame to come along and... (laughs) So, in controlled experiments, scientists have found that body fat wrapped in layers of skin and clothing... Me. (laughs) I mean, accurate. Me, but accurate, mean. rude, and disrespectful. Continue. 
They found that these balls of fat and skin and clothing could burn slowly with no visible flame. Okay. They also found that while the fire will continue until fuel, aka fat, has been used up, it is not hot enough to catch anything else on fire. Okay. So if we look at the composition of fat on the human body, most of us carry fat in our stomachs, thighs, butts, and breasts. Not Mary Reese, she carried it in her head. Apparently. Um, but the tiny skull. <laughs> yes. She had to protect the very tiny <laughs> skull. It was like a helmet. It was just a fat helmet that protected her very small skull. <laughs> now I have a visual that I cannot get out of my head, and that is going to haunt me until I die. There's very little fat in our hands and feet, which could explain why in many of the cases we spoke about earlier, a lone foot would be the only remaining body part. That's true. It also explains why nothing else around the remains would have any fire damage. Now, the fire would still have to be going for a long time for there to be only ash left, and it would have to be very hot. Right. But if the fire was not visible, then it's possible maybe it started without the person knowing and then continued long past the person's death until it ran out of fat to burn through and then fizzled out. I mean, that makes sense in a way that, but I would imagine that... Wouldn't the person still move, though? Because at this point, in this theory, the person's alive, right? The flames aren't visible. They're on fire, basically, and they're burning. But they're still alive. Would this person not have just, like, gotten up and, like, run through the apartment or their home in a panic? And they would have found them somewhere else and not just, like, like they had fallen asleep in a chair and just that was that. Well, I don't know if it assumes that the person's alive. I was just making the point that if they were alive. Okay then maybe they didn't know it. Okay. But it's also possible that, that they were dead already. You know, they were dead and okay. it just kept happening. So this theory, I'm reluctant to say that it kind of makes sense in terms of the fact that our body is flammable. Maybe some, but there still has to be something that starts that That starts fire. the spark, yeah. So I'm not convinced that it's spontaneous. Could it have happened? Sure. But out of nowhere? No. We're going to need some more proof, Rebecca. Yeah, Rebecca. Maybe some of the other theories will be more persuasive. Let's see. What else we got? They won't be. Ooh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Called out already. <laughs> so another theory that harkens back to the early 1800s with the fictional stories we were talking about earlier is about alcohol consumption. Honestly, it's full-on bullshit realness. I'm sorry, but it is. Yeah. From my research, you would need at least a 50% concentration of ethanol in the blood for it to be flammable. Which, I'm sorry, you would be way, 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 way dead. Um, like before far even, before... Oh, yeah, you'd be dead of alcohol poisoning before you'd even get to that point. It's like point... One point something is like already up there with alcohol poisoning. Speaking of from this perspective of someone who's often more alcohol than human. Yeah, no, you'd be dead. You would be long dead before you could consume enough alcohol to even start any kind of. And that's just even theorizing that there is a spark that would start out of nowhere once you had enough alcohol. And maybe there was like a like the the process between your cells that, you know, because our the human body does generate heat. That it was, if it would ignite your alcohol-soaked cells, like, you would still be very dead. Which I guess 
in this case, in when we were talking about like the person's dead and then they catch fire, I guess maybe the cells would they be could active die, at but that point. Yeah, they yeah. wouldn't. Ha- they still wouldn't have enough to catch fire on its own. You would have to have something one set you on fire and two you'd have to be like at least drenched in alcohol or something. Yeah, you'd have to like pour it on yourself. Again, like I was like, unless these people bathed in gasoline or lighter fluid or kerosene, there's there, there was no and then there was no um they, there was no trace of they didn't find any alcohol around the body. No bottles were found. Right. I mean some of these people did drink and take like medication and smoked. But not to the excess of where, like, where, like, wow, we walked in and we just, like, smelled fucking rum all over the place. Or it just, right. like, reeked of booze, you know. So. They definitely would have mentioned that had it. Yeah. Had it been I call shenanigans. Yeah, I definitely call BS as well. Um, there's another theory that involves static electricity, which, no, Maria. No. The theory says that a buildup of static electricity in the body could trigger spontaneous human combustion. But, No. I'm sorry, no. While it's true that the buildup of static electricity could cause a fuel explosion, which is why everybody's given that warning when they pump gas for the first time, it's not enough for the body to just spontaneously catch on fire. Yeah. No, that's not. And, like, I mean, how many times would a kid caught themselves on fire? You know how kids like to fuck around with static electricity where they rub their feet on the carpet and, like, touch a light switch so they can see the arc? Do you know how many kids that would have just burst into flames spontaneously in front of their parents have had that been actually true? Bullshit. Just from like rubbing. Hey, like it's <laughs> the birthday party go takes a terrible turn. Oh, little no. Timmy, little Timmy rubs the balloon on his head and just pow. <laughs> and that was the last time we saw him oh, no. in one piece. Oh no, <laughs> poor Timmy. In the 1970s, it was believed that a person's quote depressive emotional states can cause spontaneous human combustion, which if that was the case, I'd have combusted a long time ago. Oh, you and like millions of other people. If it's just, you're sad. Like, what is this? Hold on. What is the science behind this? What is the science, my friends, behind sad equal fire? (laughs) Sad equals boom. (laughs) What? If that's true, and if that scientifically follows, then we should just use depressed people as fuel cells. Really? To use fuel cars, buildings, the space shuttle. Elon Musk, get me on the phone. I got a theory for you. I'm not cheap, though. So you're at least going to have to buy me an Outback steak. I want a flamethrower and my own helicopter to use said flamethrower from. Don't worry about it. (laughs) No questions. (laughs) The final theory that we'll talk about, because I think it's interesting to say the least, is the subatomic pyrotron theory. That just sounds fancy. Right? So Larry Arnold, author of Ablaze. Ooh, there's an exclamation point in that that title. There is. I'm startled. The mysterious fires of spontaneous human combustion claims that there's a subatomic particle called a pyrotron. Pyro, fire. Right, which... Sounds like a really bad transformer. It does. It sounds like the transformer that's a fire truck. <laughs> I'm pyrotron. I'm pyrotron. <laughs> that's all he does is like his only power is he transforms from fire truck into transformer and then just shoots water out of his junk. <laughs> Hissed out another fire. I see pyrotron. Good job. 
why you're on the team. You're a real whiz at that. I'll keep going about Sky. Thank you. <laughs> this theory is based on quantum physics, which I'm not even going to pretend like I know anything about that or All understand it. And a lot of it's theoretical. Like, yeah. very much quantum physics is very, like, like we're going to throw some theories up and see what sticks because we don't really know. It's too small for us to observe. So these are just, a lot of it's just theories. Yeah. So I'm not going to pretend that I understand it, but, you know, I got this part down. Yeah. Basically, the pyrotron is a small particle that can fit in between the quarks of atoms. And then spontaneous human combustion happens when the pyrotron makes contact with a quark and sets off a chain reaction. Okay. Which then makes the boom boom. Which makes the fire booms. Yes. Gotcha. It's not the sad that makes the fire booms. It's my own spooky, scary skeleton what gave me the chills. <laughs> now, it's a very sci-fi-esque theory that I would love to buy into because it just sounds really cool. Yeah, it does. However, there's absolutely no proof that this particle even exists. And the theory is based off the word of one guy who, granted, is supposedly the leading expert on spontaneous human combustion. But that means very little to me. It's like being the leading expert on flying purple people eaters. Or unicorns. Yeah. If it doesn't yeah. exist, there's no point. Yeah, it's like it's being the leading expert on mermaids. Cool. Cool story, bro. But yeah, it's like, I, yeah, no. Is it's, that what you did with your English degree? Ooh, shots fired. But um bum No, it's usually they end up asking, do you want fries with that? Sorry, English majors. I was a fine arts major, so I'm no better. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, like I, and it's like, part of me is like, I, I, I like that one too, just because I love, I'm, hey, I love sci-fi and I write science fiction and I love sci-fi shit. So part of me is like, yeah, no, I could see that one. But yeah, there's no, like with a lot of quantum physics, it's so small that it's not it's currently observable to us with any equipment that we have. So it's all theories. Right. So there's no actual measurable proof that's such a theory. It's like the God particle. There's no actual theory, like proof until we can get to that point of measuring something that minuscule mm -hmm. to even prove that that thing exists. So it's a nice theory in the meantime, but there's really no proof behind it other than just this one guy. Yeah. Who put an exclamation point into his book title. It did give it more pizzazz. A blaze. Whatever it said after that. See, I didn't even pay attention after that because I was like, I was so exhausted by the exclamation point. I was like, huh, huh. Stricken, and I needed to have a quick sit, and then I didn't read the rest of it, so <laughs> there's that. Indeed, Benjamin Radford, science writer and deputy editor of Skeptical Inquirer, concluded himself regarding the case of Michael Faraday that, quote, Faraday's case may not be as mysterious as it looks. There was, after all, an open fire close to his burned body. It seems likely that a spark or ember might have popped from the fire onto his clothing and caught his clothing on fire. It's not clear why the coroner conclusively ruled this explanation out. I felt kind of that same way. I was like, well, couldn't he just, his clothes caught fire and then he just had a heart attack and died, like, mm -hmm. and then just burned the rest of the way up? I don't because know. Because they are old, so not saying anything against old people, but they scare easy. So it's, it's very possible they catch fire, freak out, have a heart attack, yeah. and die and just keep burning. And then just keep burning while they're already dead. Radford also cast doubt on the plausibility of spontaneous human combustion as a whole. Quote, if spontaneous human combustion is a real phenomenon and not the result of an elderly or infirm person being too close to a flame source, why doesn't it happen more often? It's very Unquote. true. 
But according to proponents and believers in the phenomenon, cases of spontaneous human combustion, while still very rare indeed, have been occurring throughout history even as far back as the 18th century. The concept, and indeed the terminology, was proposed first by Paul Rowley in 1746 in an article entitled Philosophical Transactions, which, wow, just screams bore me to fucking death. I think it needed the exclamation point. It did, and see, this is what happens when you don't have one. I'm already bored. Checked out. Don't give a shit. It was philosophical transactions. transactions. Ooh, like he's shouting at me. Yeah. Or like he's doing a magic trick in my face and doves fly out of his sleeves. Then you got me. You got me hooked, Paul. Sit down, let's talk. No, no exclamation point? Keep walking. Rowley described it simply as, quote, a process in which a human body allegedly catches fire as a result of heat generated by internal chemical activity, but without evidence of an external source of ignition, unquote. I mean... That pretty much wraps up the whole thing in a nice flame retardant bow now, doesn't it? (laughs) It's a bow made of asbestos. (laughs) (laughs) The first documented case predates Rowley's explanation, though, by at least 300 years. Dating back to 1400, when a knight named Polonus Vorstius allegedly burst into flames in front of his own parents. Oh, no. So, okay. All I got in my head. Now, I had very cartoony images bouncing around in my head during this entire research period when I was doing it. Like, all I'm picturing is a knight in full plate, right? Like, chainmail, full plate armor, walking into his parents going, guys, I finally got promoted to knight. And flames just shooting out of the armor and leaving the armor intact. And just standing there and just ashes go pouring out of the bottom. <laughs> like a dragon just went woof and just burned him on, on the spot. <laughs> I was like, why is this funny? Why is this funny? Oh, it's because it's funny. The image in my head is fucking hilarious. <laughs> it was like, in front of his own parents, really? Like, how would you react as a parent? Good job, son. You just go, oh my God. <laughs> I don't know how I'd react. I'd be like, oh no. Like, that's... That's, that was had to be traumatic. I'm sorry. But still, it's still funny to me in my head. I don't know why. As is a common denominator in many of these alleged cases, alcohol seemed to play a definite factor as witnesses claim that Vorstius belched fire after consuming a few glasses of particularly strong wine. Guys, I've heard the term fire water before, but this, this is ridiculous. Also, I'm going to need the name of that wine and where to find it. <laughs> belch fire <laughs> real bad it would be pretty cool that would be pretty rad right because i could just like pull my own little dragon routine like fire eater that'd be fucking badass yeah the countess cornelia zangari de bandy of cessna kennedy davenport <laughs> rupaul charles the first <laughs> of transylvania i like that there's a name Yikes, I don't even know where that is, but she would fall to a similar fate in 1745. The Countess retired to bed early and the next morning was found by her chambermaid in a pile of ashes. Only her burned head and partially stocking legs remained. And though DeBandy had indeed had two candles in the room, both of their wicks were untouched and showed no trace of flame. Weird. So she had no fire in the room. There was no mention of a fireplace in the room. The only thing that was mentioned that was flammable were these two candles and neither one of them had been lit. So it wasn't lit, y'all. Can't I hope? No. You'd have to do it. I get to do it too. (laughs) (laughs) 
After Rowley's article the following year, the idea behind spontaneous human combustion would gain traction and popularity in the Victorian area. In the Victorian area? The Victorians didn't like their areas, so we're not going to talk about it. They, they made clothes and things to cover their areas specifically because chair legs were sexy. They were. They made sleeves to cover chair legs because they were too curvy and sexy and they would make guys jerk off. Apparently, pull the patch all day long to that Queen Anne. The chair, not the lady. Ow. The lady's just like, oh, why, thank you. And, and he's, like, you. he's like, not you, you fat bitch. Get out of here. I'm talking about that hot mahogany. <laughs> oh, please leave this in. Anyway, it's the Victorian era that you were talking about, not the area. Spontaneous human combustion would become a common fate associated with alcoholics during this time. Even Charles Dickens, who I despise. She does. I really do. Would write an incident of it into his novel Bleak House, in which a minor character who is a dissolute drunk with a taste for gin spontaneously catches fire and burns to death. Which, again, shows Dickens' level of fucking creativity. Which is none. Come at me, Charles. Anyway, mic drop. You good? No, I hate that guy. <laughs> I really fucking hate him. Uh, other authors of the time would eventually also jump on that burning bandwagon, so to speak, and include incidents into their stories as well. Mark Twain and Herman Melville would also both seem to be believers in the phenomenon, or maybe they just thought it was a really good plot twist. Scientists and the scientific community as a whole remain skeptical, though, and continue to question or try to debunk the 200 or so odd cases that have occurred worldwide over a 300-year period. Well, now that we've presented the case for both, what do you think, Spooky Nation? Spontaneous human combustion, a rare and unexplained medical phenomena, or coincidences that can be explained away by the laws of science? Call in. We're standing by. Just don't call on that phone over there. The crawling one. The last time one of the invisible interns used it, it ate all of his fingers and started chanting. So I would just not touch it at all. Yeah, it's probably best that you just reach out to us on our socials or our YouTube channel because we, we don't want to touch that phone. It's in a cage for a reason. Maybe keep it in there. That and the cauldron. They like to fight sometimes. <laughs> Gets ugly. <laughs> and we love to chat with you guys, so you hit do. us up on that and it's a lot safer. And you'll thank us for saving your fingers. <laughs> Ooh. That fire alarm sound lets us know that our time is up for this week. That totally realistic fire alarm sound that was not Jade making a fire alarm sound. What? Me? No, never. Huh? What? <laughs> our time is up this week for now. And hopefully we didn't leave you feeling too hot under the collar. Yeah. Because we need you to join us again in two weeks when we jump back into the spectral world of the paranormal with another Hometown Haunts episode. But this time... You get to decide what city we're researching. <laughs> That's right. Email us at thisspookyshow at gmail.com with your pitches or slide into our DMs on Instagram. We don't bite hard. That's a lie. I bite pretty hard. I've had my shots, though. Most of them. I'll make sure she doesn't bite you. It'll be okay. <laughs> Down, girl. <laughs> <clears throat> Let us know what place you want us to check out. And you never know, we may pick your hometown to commune with the spirits in and call the corners. Until then, stay stay spooky, spooky, friends.
Bedak-bedak-bedak. Bedak-bedak-bedak. Kedua bedak-bedak, bedak-bedak. 